everyone. Welcome back to the VCE OES podcast for Units 1 and 2. In our previous episodes, we have looked through a range of the different aspects of the course so far, looking at motivations, why people want to get outdoors, the types of environments they might visit, and then also some of the responses that they might have within those places. Throughout this podcast, we are going to be looking at the environment as a resource and how it is potentially used in recreation or adventure, as well as spiritual connections that, uh, that various people or peoples may have had with the environment or environmental areas and the outdoors being used as a study site. So if you've been paying attention, then you'll have worked out that all of that is related to area of study one dot point number five, which will ultimately be the focus right here and right now. So first up, let's consider using the environment as a resource. Now, like in any context of the term resource, it is something that can be used or being used for some sort of a gain by someone else. So if we're to be considering using the environment as a resource, then that could potentially be for gathering materials, gathering food, harvesting things that may have grown within the environment, or taking advantage of different things that occur naturally in certain areas. Now, that could potentially elicit both positive or negative uh, responses to, to the use, and it may depend on how things are being used, when things are being used, or by which groups that might uh, generate those different types of responses. So if we consider something like logging, which in parts of the Alpine National Park um, have occurred, or on the fringes of the Alpine National Park might have occurred, then that's obviously using the environment as a resource for timber. Now the whole reasoning behind why we would use that could be pretty varied. It could be potentially for firewood, it could be for construction, it could be for furniture, a whole host of different reasons, paper, all sorts of things. What you're looking for though is just the fact that that landscape is being utilised potentially what we would describe as negatively in that if the environment is being used in a way that's not sustainable and it's not being replenished or restored, if you like, at the same time, then it's what we describe as exploitation. So we'd be exploiting the environment by ripping all the timber out, ripping all that natural uh, fibre, that ecosystem, that environment apart and using that for human gain. Other areas where you might see the environment being used for human gain may be in agriculture and that obviously may have a negative impact through destruction of forests, through soil erosion, through constant consumption of raw materials. It could sort of come in a whole host of different ways. At the same time, using the environment as a resource, you could consider anything that uses water. You could consider anything that um, is utilising space within a natural environment. So grazing through the Alpine National Park, that's using the environment as a resource as opposed to using a paddock. It's using a national park or forested areas for the animals to go grazing for their feed. And then we're using that to use the cattle for meat or for whatever hide or for whatever it might be. But we've used the environment as a resource in that case. 
when we all choose our throat as a subject, it's highly likely that one of the driving factors behind that comes from the area of recreation and adventure. We love getting outdoors, we love participating and experiencing different things in the outdoor environment and being a part of those things. So we then have to look and say, okay, well, what's the difference between recreation and adventure? Now, the two can overlap and there may be some areas of similarity between them, when we are considering things that are of a recreational nature, then you might be considering that they would be maybe less intense than um, you know high-intensity sporting competition or high-intensity activities. There's probably a fair level of challenge about a recreational activity, but with the concept of recreation is just to do something for leisure, to do something for personal pleasure um, as opposed to any other sort of gain. So they're the sorts of things that have a real intrinsic motivation um, and can then sort of lead further into adventure. So if we start thinking about adventure, then you're looking for some sort of an experience that has... Um, challenge that has an element of risk and maybe that provides some sort of adrenaline rush or some sort of real sense of um, accomplishment throughout that. So again, looking at probably what would be some pretty intrinsic motivations. Now that can shift to an extrinsic motivation if that activity or participation in that activity becomes um, something that has a financial gain. Again, sorry, I should say. So if you were really into say, downhill skiing or cross-country skiing or something and then became a competitive athlete in that area, then potentially you're shifting from an intrinsic to an extrinsic motivation in participating in that. When you're considering these activities, then you could probably consider them in one of three ways, passive, active, or extreme. So getting to a mountaintop, sitting, taking in the scenery, having one of those awe moments and just taking a moment, maybe even a spiritual moment, you might say, that's probably an example of a passive recreational activity. Sitting, being with the environment, and just taking it easy. An active experience might be canoeing along a river. Just taking your time, cruising down the Murray in your canoe, enjoying the scenery and seeing what's about. To make it more extreme, then it might be whitewater kayaking, it might be skydiving, it might be some of those things that we consider when we think of extreme sports. They're an adventure activity, um, looking for all sorts of different reasons for people to participate in those sorts of things. So recreation and adventure probably makes up the bulk of what we think about when we consider um, financial gain in the outdoors, although agribusiness obviously has a pretty, you know, is a far bigger industry when we're thinking of outdoor experiences and the sort of experiences that people potentially go looking for, then that would be a really big area of business to um, to be thinking about, is how does ecotourism or adventure tourism um, influence people's connections with the environment? When we think of having a spiritual connection to the environment, the quickest thing for us to probably think about is the Indigenous Australians and the real importance that they place throughout their culture on connection to country and connection to land and connection to the environment and the interconnectedness of all of those things. There's a real spirituality about it that's, that really resonates amongst them and amongst the stories of their time, the, uh, sorry, their, their culture and throughout time. It is possible for everyone to have some sort of a spiritual connection with the environment through experience, through moments that they 
have in the outdoors through taking time, through a sense of connection. Sometimes people might call it grounding, where they take their take their feet off and they feel a greater connection to the environment because they're not wearing shoes or not, there's no barrier between them and the environment around them. But essentially the concept of a spiritual connection is having a moment or a level of appreciation, a level of understanding, a level of awareness of how the environment relates to them and how they relate to the environment around them. It can be quite personal and it can be quite different from one person to the next, but having a spiritual connection is certainly possible for anyone. Um, if you are considering responses throughout SAC tasks or throughout other things, then obviously having an awareness of Indigenous culture and Aboriginal culture would be um, probably a pretty strong way to go and have some sort of an advantage there, particularly with their concept of interconnectedness between everything. Um, that might be something that you can do some further reading on yourself to consider different aspects. The use of the outdoors as a study site is pretty well explained in the name. There's something being researched, something being reviewed, something being considered or looked at within that area or within that environment. Now that could be being done in a whole bunch of different ways. It could be soil testing through geologists, ecologists looking at changes in environments, archaeologists, anthropologists looking back through his historical accounts or different things that may exist in those areas, botanists, agriculturists, agriculturalists, gee that's a tough one to say, um, all looking at different aspects of certain environments to get a better understanding of maybe how things have been historically, what the human impact has been over time, so an interrelationship with those environments, and whether there's anything that can be done to alter or change future outcomes for those groups. Sometimes it can be through observation or it may be through further testing or excavation that maybe people go looking about these sorts of different things. And if we were to think you know, of, of our own actions, something as simple as going out hiking and being active in particular areas, then it's possible that there are groups that go through and actually monitor, well, how much damage is this hiking track having or this area receiving as a result of human interactions? Do the tracks need to be altered? Do we need to allow revegetation to occur in any areas? Or is it going okay? Are we, are we managing parks or managing tracks well in certain places? Study sites can also then allow for information to be fed into different organisations about how they could potentially preserve environments, how they could be altering practices, or how they could be improving what they do for the conservation and management of the environments that they exist in. So folks, this one's been a pretty quick snapshot of some different uh, responses or different reasons that people may certainly be utilising outdoor environments. Make sure you continue to read and do further exploration of those things. Obviously, I'm only sort of touching on those topics, so it's important that you go and do some further reading to improve your understanding of that and to ensure that you're covering all the aspects of the dot, dot points uh, throughout the course. Obviously, this is not a be-all and end-all resource, but certainly something to help try and clarify some of those things that people may get stuck on along the way. Till next time. See you later.